This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Hello and welcome back to the show. What up? Yes. We're here. We are. And I've got a new look. There's a new change. I'm a new person. Well, I mean, you're not the only one with a new look. You, well, I didn't hair. realize that you yeah, also you know, got That's it. normally what happens to black people in the workplace. <laughs> no, I always notice your hair. No, that's actually not true. Because she's never noticed that's once. That's a lie. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so but, I decided yeah. to change my look because I've had the regular brown kind of highlight hair for a while. And so I went to my stylist and I was like, it's time. I need to update my it's hair. It's summertime. It's summertime. It's, I feel like around the, 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 like the summertime, yes. you always want like a new look, re, just summer vibes. Exactly. And you're a full-on ginger. Uh, it is very gingery. It's copper. It's whatever. Is copper and ginger okay, the same Okay, so, so you want me to say you're a penny. <laughs> she's she's giving very hey, penny. pennies could be good luck if you find them. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Sometimes, depending on what side you find them on. Isn't that the thing? That's what you make of it. But anyway, I, I was getting my whites that were coming in. That, this is what happens as you get older, Ryan. You have little white hairs that come oh, in. Oh, gray hairs? Oh, I said like Your them little whites? whites? <laughs> Our little whites were coming in. My little whites come in every day, too. <laughs> oh, my God. Stepped in, I stepped into that. So, uh, and, okay, well, let's get into the news. So much fun that we almost forgot that we actually need to deliver you some news, not just oh our craziness. Okay, seriously, we do have a lot coming up on the show. The Biden administration moved to restore protections for LGBTQ Americans, much more important than my hair. Talking about that in 15 minutes. Some quick what's trending this hour right now. Former VP Mike Pence laid out his freedom agenda, a set of policy recommendations he's proposing for Republicans if they take back the majority. Every, my fellow conservatives, now it falls to this generation to take the case for life to every state and every state house in America. Our freedom agenda calls for advancing pro-life protections in every state in the union. Every single one. We call for expanding support for women in crisis pregnancies to support the unborn and to support the newborn with equal American generosity. We call for reforming adoption laws so more forever families can be formed because you can't be pro-life if you're not pro-adoption. Oh, God. All right. Um, Hate that. Hate that always. Always will hate that. You know, that was this a turning point? What was this at? He was just having a press conference. Where was he at? He was. I'm looking at the video right now. 
I don't know. Might take a moment as it loads. Yeah, I mean. He was, yeah, at Dang. hashtag YAFCon, Young America's Foundation. Oh, wow. They get, they probably. That was the entertainment uh, they got. Gross. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? So, you know, we talked about Britney Spears yesterday calling out her mom and revealing some text messages that she sent from a mental health facility when she yep. was locked down. Well, Lynn Spears has entered the chat. Oh. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. And honestly, I'm pretty shocked that Lynn has responded. I was like... Not thinking that, you know, a lot of the family members don't really get involved in a lot of what Britney, like, says or yeah. has to say. But, no, um, Lynn is not having it. Let me let me just tell you that right now. Let's put on some Britney. I, I just like this Britney song. We Here need we a, little, a little bit of that. <gasps> oh, my okay. God. And producer Shelby's wearing a Britney Spears throwback shirt. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize. Okay, so Britney Spears' mother responded after her daughter shared screenshots of text messages. Um, so, here's the thing. She said this, cap, and she captioned a screenshot of text that Britney's friend uh, Jensen Fitzgerald posted to her Instagram st- story. She, Lynn said, Britney, I have the whole conversations as well. I hurt for you that you feel the people who love you the most betrayed you. Let me come to you. I love you. Now, she only said this in the caption, but she didn't even add in her own alleged responses to her daughter's desperate, you know, kind of pleas. She did say that she was worried that, you know, her text messages were being deleted. Um, now, according to this, uh, Britney's friend Jensen Fitzgerald's receipts, she actually told Britney she, quote, had to do to research the medication because she did not know tons about it. Now, this whole thing goes further and further behind. She says, the full message, and I did respond, I have always felt like some of my messages were deleted. Please read the bottom. And then she has this huge, huge piece of, like, you know, who who really wants to go through that? Like, I just, I'm not responding to that. Um, but it's it's pretty intense. I don't know if this is going to get uglier. Britney's yeah, most definitely bad. not going to stop putting her stuff out there. That's your T-Report. We got more coming up next hour, though. Okay, after this, what the Biden administration is doing to protect health access for LGBTQ folks. More next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The Biden administration on Monday afternoon moved to restore protections for LGBTQ Americans and other groups seeking health services that were actually struck down during the Trump administration. He's also saying the rule would cover pregnant women seeking health care services, and that includes abortion. Joining us right now is Rachel Rubin, a Health 202 anchor at The Washington Post. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, so can you tell us more about this proposed rule? Does it differ from what we already have? It feels like this has been brought up. It's hard to keep up, to be honest, with all of these things. It feels like Biden was already doing something like this. Or maybe there was other things he was reversing that Trump had taken away. Um, Sure. So what the actions were on Monday was this is a proposed rule from the Department of Health and Human Services. And so essentially the Biden administration wants to restore protections um, for LGBTQ Americans. um, And as you mentioned, the rule would also apply um, to women who um, have terminated a pregnancy. And essentially what it's doing is it's saying that – 
providers would not be able to discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. And so this relates to um, anti-discrimination policies of healthcare providers that receive federal dollars. So this proposed rule would apply to health insurance plans that do business through the Obamacare exchanges, Medicaid, and Medicare. Um, so this is a proposed rule. Um, it has to to be finalized. So it has a public comment period, and then the agency goes through those public comments and then releases a final rule. Yeah, um, apparently, well, from your your article in the Washington Post, the White House has actually been reviewing this draft rule since March, and they've been holding meetings with advocates from conservative and religious organizations. What kind of came from those meetings? Um, yeah, so, that, so that's a great question. This is something that um, the administration has been reviewing, and, and as you mentioned, they've been reviewing um, a fair number of policies from the Trump administration. Um, so HHS officials on Monday said that they had sought to incorporate um, some some sort of feedback that they'd heard, such as pointing to provisions that um, explicitly address protections for providers who raise conscious or religious objections um, to performing certain procedures, such as abortion. Um, and one of the things the proposal does is um, the language essentially would allow people to file claims with the Department of Health and Human Services Office of Civil Rights if they believe they have faced discrimination from a healthcare provider based on their yeah. sexual orientation, gender identity, or pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So is, is this a protection considering all of these policies being proposed and uh, pushed through right now in all these other states? Would this then be the default to protect individuals and the communities there? Um, yes, yeah, so that is a great question. Um, this uh, does come on the heels, as you've mentioned, in terms of legislative battles in states. And so that was a question that um, I was asking some experts yesterday. It was a pretty lengthy rule, so they were still going through it. And some of the people I asked said that, you know, they're still, they were still reviewing the rule uh, to try and unpack how it could or would intersect with state laws across the country. So that's, you know, a question to continue to to ask as people really sort of parse through the language of the federal rules. Well, yeah, and I think a lot of, uh, you know, constituents and advocacy organizations um, are probably, you know, tired of, like, just the lip service of it all. And so have we heard from these advocacy organizations that are specifically LGBTQ+, are they happy about this announcement? Are they asking for more? What are we hearing? Um, Yes, some uh, advocates yesterday had um, praised some uh, praised this this effort from the Biden administration to um, to broaden this language and to um, include gender identity and sexual orientation in uh, the anti-discrimination space among healthcare providers. Okay, well, uh, thank you f- so much for those updates. Really important stuff. That was Rachel Rubin, Health 202 anchor at the Washington Post. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much. Bye. Now, do you know um, if you dial 988, what happens? Well, the suicide hotline was updated to a three-digit number, 988, but it does have its flaws. And guess what? We're talking about that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. 
There's a new lifeline that was just launched on July 16th. The number is 988. It's a crisis call line designed by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Well, this all sounds like a good thing, right? Well, activists are calling out the major blind spots. And joining us to break down what those are is Katie Way, Senior Staff Writer at Vice. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thank you for having me. So, one, this feels like, obviously, with anything, there's good news and then there's bad news. The good news is that this exists. But what is some of the criticism that would probably be in the bad news category? Totally, yeah. So, uh, like you touched on, it is, you know, really great to see something like 988 Lifeline uh, launch nationally. It's a huge deal that we have, you know, People recognizing that it's a it's a problem that 911 is the primary way that people get you know crises and mental health crises uh, addressed. But at the same time, I think I've been hearing concerns about the rollout. I've been seeing people saying not to share 988 Lifeline. And after taking the time to talk to the advocacy director at Trans Lifeline, that's not where I landed. But at the same time. I think the big concerns are around transparency and privacy in the crisis call line space. Definitely. And and why is it that this specifically is being called out for that? It's because, um, and according to this article, uh, not, 911 was contacted without consent for less than two and a, a half of 2% of its annual callers. Um, and only when said caller was unwilling or unable to take actions to remain safe in scenarios like active suicide attempts, overdoses, et cetera, um, and or stated intent to use weapons or lethal means with the intent to cause imminent harm or death. Is that um, unreasonable to do that? Is that pretty much, quote-unquote, normal for that type of thing that 911 would be contacted? For sure. So um, the advocacy director that I spoke with uh, said that that does tend to be policy for you know the majority of crisis call lines there are very few crisis call lines that will unilaterally commit to never calling the police without caller consent trans lifeline is one of them call black line is another one um but i think the issue is that you know some of that stuff can be subjective uh and callers can be afraid to express things like, oh, I think I'm going to hurt myself or I think I'm going to, you know, do something like that, uh, even if it's true or they might express themselves and not necessarily, you know, mean it. And then uh, either emergency medical services or police officers can come and exacerbate the situation and cause, you know, further harm and further trauma to someone who's already clearly, you know, experiencing something really negative. Yeah, I mean, that's that's so interesting because I, I think in these conversations about these hotlines, no one ever thinks about caller consent. And that, for me, is like, oh, wow, of course, a caller should have that consent, especially when they're kind of using these hotlines to seek possible help to get them out of the mind frame or the experience that they're having in that moment. So I'm wondering what are experts saying is the best way to move forward? Totally. So I think that's uh, where the transparency piece comes in, you know, um, and 988 Lifeline, to be fair, on its FAQ page does, you know, make callers aware of its imminent risk policies. But like you said, um, when people are calling in the moment, they might not necessarily have taken the time 
to look into uh, a crisis lines policies. So I think one of the solutions that I found uh, really resonated with me was the idea that this is something that's part of the crisis counselor's script that they go over in the offset, you know, just so you know, if I hear these things from you, this is the step that I have to take. This is our policy. So at the very least, you know, if they choose to, you know, still express those things, uh, they know that this is a potential consequence because that's sort of the issue. You know, if you're able to plan uh, for a potential period of hospital hospitalization, you can arrange childcare, you can, you know, let your boss know that you might be out of office. Obviously, you're not going to say, uh, you know, you're, you shouldn't have to say exactly what's going on, but at the same time, you can make plans rather than have uh, something like, you know, involuntary detention, involuntary hospitalization sprung on you, you're absent, you know, from your regular life for 72 hours, no one knows what's going on, you get fired, you know, something happens with your kids, your school gets notified, then you're dealing with CPS, you know, things like that. So I think that's the big fear and that's what sort of the consent and the transparency piece is aiming to mitigate. I definitely. Do you think overall, though, um, from your reporting, who you talk to, people generally are happy about this and think that despite, you know, I think there's a lot of these uh, gaps that will be solved. This is something that definitely needs to be around. Yeah, I think um, I, I feel like in the crisis call and space, it's definitely inspiring a lot of hope. You know, I think it's great to see resources being put towards something like this. It's great to see recognition that the current system is broken but at the same time i do think there's a sense especially you know from people who have more abolitionist leanings or you know people who are sort of advocating for some of our most vulnerable populations the populations that uh stand to risk the most by coming into contact with police whether that's homeless people uh, mentally ill people trans people people of color especially black people you know there's a lot of voices speaking up to say, you know, this is good, but we don't know if it's quite enough. Yeah, I really hope like the 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 thing that we all learn from this is like getting some of these people, these activists a part of these projects to to be a leader in these spaces so they are actually making the change that's necessary. But we actually have to wrap up. Thank you so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate the story and the work that you do. So thanks for joining us. That's Katie Way, senior staff writer at Vice. Okay, what? well, next up, what do Trump followers have to say about the January 6th hearings? Are you ready for this? And it didn't come from The Daily Show because you would almost think it did. <laughs> next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So the January 6th hearings are still underway. And uh, CNN's Donnie O'Sullivan visited Arizona to talk to Republican voters at competing Trump and Pence events and ask them, you know, what they thought about what happened on January 6th. And the answers, uh, I guess, aren't that surprising. Prepare yourselves. He didn't lose. Says who? He just didn't lose. Do you believe the election was stolen? Yes. Do you have faith in elections now? No. Do you believe the 2020 election was, was stolen? Uh, no, I don't believe the 2020 election was stolen. I believe that there are aspects of the 2020 election that were unfair. Have you watched the January 6th hearings? I have. What do you think? I think they're a bunch of Why? Well, because do you have both sides? Or are you getting one side of the story? 
You mean like the side that attacked the Capitol? You really believe that happened? I was there. Okay. I have a lot of people that were there too. And? And saw things that it wasn't what they say it was. So okay. this is um, what I've been wondering, uh -huh. um, like how much these, uh, this kind of spectacle of these hearings have really had an impact on Republican voters. And they're actually, um, USA Today, they did, um, there's like polls that are kind of yeah. happening. And USA Today in the Suffolk uh, University poll found that um, these hearings aren't changing any minds. Actually, yeah, 72% of Democrats say they are paying a lot or a fair amount of attention to the hearings, but 78% of Republicans say they are paying, quote, not very much attention or none at all among uh, independents. 47% are paying attention, 52% are not. Now, for me, I've been wondering why this these hearings needed to be in the in done in these ways because uh, yeah. that you're you're technically it's like you're doing it for Democrats because only Democrats are really watching this thing and clearly polls have said this and yes they only I think the survey was just of like a, a thousand registered voters or something but it it still feels like that is still representative of kind of like the divide that we're seeing Totally. Here. I don't think this was ever going to change any minds, unfortunately. But that was what it was supposed to do. That's what the committee wanted. Well, they I, wanted to, yeah, to they, show narrative, Americans shift the narrative. how that January 6th impacted it, the country. It, and it's yeah. it, it was a force of, you know, that could have impacted democracy. It was, yeah, it was supposed to be marketing for the reality of what actually happened. The problem is, I think that some of these people have such deep-rooted beliefs. They could see something in front of their very own eyes and still believe in what their original thought was around it, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't think you can shift that. Um, there was actually a study done back in 2017. Uh, oh, wow, this, long. Uh, yeah, I'm going back, or uh, 2016. But it was all about politics and how our brain's responsibilities to take care of our body to protect us. So they actually took these um, self-avowed liberals who reported having deep convictions, and it showed that when they put the, the, them in the MRI scanner, mm. challenged their beliefs, they watched their brains light up, and they concluded that there was an activation in the parts of the brain that are thought to correspond with self-identity and negative emotions. So, okay. like, I think that we, we don't realize how strong these things are and that it's not going to take, including in a time like this, where you can find the other side, you could find your community very easily to feed into your beliefs. Like, I, I don't, I think it might, might have taken maybe someone doing some serious illegal activity, but people did. And even with that, they thought it was fake. I mean, an overwhelming 69% said the hearings haven't even changed their views. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the numbers are there, but I think it relates back to just unfortunately pure psychology. And I really do believe there's some sort of, it's like brainwashing. Like, people don't realize how easy it is to be brainwashed, including by, like, leaders. Like, just like we are by celebrities. I would love to know, and maybe we can put, like, a little poll or Instagram, like, question thing on our on our story. I would like to know if y'all have been watching the hearings, have they changed any of your POV? And were you expecting I think you to? already, you either just... Uh, not just agreed with it, but you uh, you understand what happened and you see it, right? And or you just didn't. And I don't think your opinion is going to be changed. 
uh, let us know at LGT Show. Next up, more of what's trending, including what offensive thing this GOP rep said to pro-choice women. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome back to the show and more music coming up right here on Channel Q. Uh, let's get into this. If you have dark skin, should you be wearing sunscreen? This is something that uh, you might do. Like, Ryan, do, have you always worn sunscreen? Um. Am I the darkest one in here, I guess? Yes, I, I Yes, I believe. Um, have you seen me? I have to think about it. Have you like, seen yeah, me, I Shelby? I am the go-to-ass person for this. Um, I have. I've always worn sunscreen. I've gone to, I spent many a summer in summer camp. Good for you. You know? Your mom did the right thing. Well, I mean, yeah, that's just normal to put on sunscreen. For some people, this has been a question, um, and so we're debunking it all. That's in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Then, what is quiet quitting, and could it change workplace attitude for the better or worse? That's also coming up later this hour. Let's get into some What's Trending This Hour headlines, though, right now. GOP Representative Matt Gates used a turn- Turning Point USA Student Action Summit to mock women who are demanding access to abortion, suggesting uh, this. Let's just play the clip. Trigger alert. Is it safe to say that based off of your comments, you're suggesting that these women at these abortion rallies are ugly and overweight? Yes. What do you say to people who think that those comments are offensive? Be offended. Mm-hmm. Is it safe? Stay classy, Matt Gates. First of all, he should be worried that he doesn't end up on the sex offender list. So, Whatever happened with that whole situation? Oh, it's still happening because he's still a sex offender. And yet Allegedly. he's still a political representative. <laughs> yes, add in that allegedly. No, he's the worst. No, he is literally the worst. And there have been political folks on CNN talking about um, this situation that he's going on. And my thing is he should be focused on that instead of focused on calling people out about their appearance. I'm sorry that they don't, they don't, I guess they're not your match. What is, like 12-year-olds? He's he's the, your D-bag politician. Okay, oh God, next up. You in the word D-bag. I, I, want, to, D-bag. I want it to be eliminated from <laughs> the universe. I'm a cool mom. President or a frat boy. You know, who I feel like people say D-bag. Who? Producer Shelby. Have you ever? My mother does. Oh, exactly. I'm a cool mom. 
Mm. You want to be old? I thought you got a fresh new it's look. It's called wise. All right. <laughs> Moving on, President Joe Biden in April extended the pause on federal loan repayments until August 31st, saying the nation, of course, was still recovering from the pandemic. A White House official is now saying that, quote, no decision has been made about whether to extend it again, but Biden will make a decision before August 31st. And, of course, with a little more than a month before the student debt moratorium is scheduled to end, the federal government has told loan servicers not to contact borrowers about resuming payments. So if you get those calls, this is your uh, sign to not answer them. I don't know. Don't listen to me. Just go Google and find out the news. But it seems like that's the case. The Education Department has been telling loan servicers not to reach out to borrowers as recently as the last couple of weeks. So who knows? Maybe that's a scammer. We talked about that. Those phone robocalls. Just be careful and do your research because um, you could be a bit in the clear, at least for now, making yeah. a decision August 31st. And if you missed that conversation about those overclaws, head over to the podcast on WeAreTonalQ.com or wherever you find your podcast. Let's exactly. go over to Chair and Ryan. And uh, finally, families and LGBTQ plus campaign groups have filed a federal lawsuit to block the Don't Say Gay law in Florida, arguing that the law is unconstitutional as it violates the First Amendment. Plaintiffs include two families with children as young as six and as old as 12. The lawsuit is being bolstered by Lambda Legal, the Southern Poverty Law Center, and the Southern Legal Council. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, my God. I could not... I was so I felt so bad for not covering anything Comic Con yesterday that I have to do it now, especially Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. It's time for the T Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. And Lupita Nyong'o is reflecting on making Black Panther Wakanda, uh, Wakanda Forever without their king, Chadwick, uh, Chadwick Boseman, which the videos that came from that one, they premiered the trailer, the highly anticipated sequel. Um, the trailer, of course, and Black Panther is no longer... It's just changed. It's going to be different. They, I guess they're recasting the Black Panther. It's going to be one of the other cast members. We're going no. to be finding that out very soon. But here is Lupita actually talking about and reflecting on her full circle Hall H moment and basically talking about how emotional it was, uh, the presentation was. It was full circle. It was exactly five years day that we were in Hall H and to come back under such different circumstances was wild and very very moving um, and it's been it's been a, a very emotional few years and uh, but to, to go through this it was very therapeutic to make this film I have to admit and to go through this today offering up our first glimpse of Black Panther Wakanda forever with a room that is rooting for us in that mm. way, with a room that shares in our loss, you know, because they loved that first film, they loved Chadwick Boseman, and was so um, respectful. Mm. Can you imagine, one, how meta it is to do a movie about the your king, T'Challa, who dies, and then also you're talking about it, and you're actually dealing with That's the grief weird. in real life. Like, what a meta situation. But I have to say, that trailer was iconic. It was incredible. I cannot wait to watch this film. Um, and I think it's going to help a lot of people heal. And that's your T-Report. We got more coming up next hour. Wow. Okay. Well, are you a person of color and you still question whether or not you should wear sunscreen? We're debunking it all with a dermatologist next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
Melanoma is a potentially deadly form of skin cancer that affects all people. The biggest cause for melanoma is exposure to ultraviolet or UV rays from the sun. Sunscreen is an effective melanoma prevention strategy. However, melanoma in people with dark skin is not associated with UV exposure. So we're going to unpack a lot of myths around sunscreen, around melanoma, especially in this conversation for people of color. So listen up, because we have Dr. Tanisha Jackson, a scientific program director for the Melanoma Research Alliance. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so this is quite interesting, because I think um, I even, as a person of color, black specifically, I grew up, some people telling me I don't need sunscreen and then learning in my adulthood that, oh, no, you do need sunscreen. So where are all these kind of myths starting when it comes to sunscreen and, and how people of color are associated with it? Well, I think the myths developed from the lack of information that's out there about how UV rays impact people of color. So, of course, UV exposure during childhood for people with fair skin or people who are white um, leads to uh, melanoma in individuals with lighter skin. However, there is limited data on how UV um, rays affect melanoma in people with darker skin. But it is important for people with darker skin to wear sunscreen. Okay. So, but you won't get melanoma if you don't wear sunscreen. You will just get a burn. Well, Sunscreen helps to prevent sunburn that could lead to melanoma. For example, um, UV rays can damage the DNA in cells, leading to mutations, causing melanoma. Now, most of the melanoma in people of color or people who have dark skin are not caused by UV rays, Got it, yeah. but there are other rare forms of melanoma that affect people of color. And so we want to raise awareness about these other forms of melanoma that people of color can get or can develop that are not caused by UV radiation. So some of those skin cancers are uveal melanoma, mucosal melanoma, and acromelanoma. So these types of melanoma are usually found in places in the body that are not usually exposed to UV radiation. So UV radiation, it damages the skin in other ways besides sunburning. It can lead to premature aging, wrinkles, and hyperpigmentation. And so these are all forms of damage from the sun. And I feel like with all these discussions about what's happening with the climate right now and, and I mean, just the sun burning hotter than ever. I mean, sun is strong. It's, I mean, it, I feel like there's even more, there should be even more caution of how our relationship with like. Be careful outside. Outside. It, like, so I wonder when it comes to public health messaging, I feel like it's a very one size fits all. And that is a huge mistake. So in what ways are you in the company that you work with and the work that you do, how are you all combating kind of this, this mismanagement of messaging? Well, we want to make sure that all people are protecting themselves from the damaging rays from the sun. So that can include wearing hats, caps, uh, protective clothing and sunblock. So, even if you have a lower risk of being burned by the sun, you do want to prevent premature aging. Everyone, everybody wants to stay looking young. 
And you do want to prevent hyperpigmentation, which does occur in uh, skin of color more frequently than in lighter skin oh, individuals. Yeah. I have a little bit of that. And, and yeah, and what advice? As as, yeah, yeah, go. As far as the, my organization, Melanoma Research Alliance, is concerned, we do have a focus on these rare melanomas that affect people of, mm -hmm. of color. We are developing a registry for patients who have been diagnosed with these rare forms of melanoma called the rare registry to help scientists better understand and better treat and better diagnose these um, forms of melanoma in people of color. So we know that racial disparities in healthcare exist and the reasons are multifactorial. You're, you're talking about um, obviously some amazing things. I think people need to know to get checked up. A lot of times, you know, obviously they're seeing something and then they don't go to a doctor. Exactly. So you need to be aware of changes in your skin and you can bring it up with your physician, your healthcare provider, and mention to them, your primary healthcare provider, your dermatologist, um, can you help me uh, identify if this uh, potential mold is yeah. um, unusual? These are all concepts that we need to discuss with our physician. Right. Well, Dr. Tanisha so, Jackson, we really appreciate you for joining us for this conversation. You were really great at educating us on the things that we need to know and, and debunking all of these myths. So once again, that's Dr. Tanisha Jackson, Scientific Program Director for the Melanoma Research Alliance. You can check out more of their work at curemelanoma.org. Okay, well, next up, what is quiet quitting and is it a new trend? More next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Now, we've talked about the great resignation, but how about quiet quitting? It's a new trend that's popped up through uh, TikTok. Uh, this guy posted a video on his account talking about quiet quitting, and it's been viewed over 830,000 times. Take a listen. I recently learned about this term called quiet quitting, where you're not outright quitting your job, but you're quitting the idea of going above and beyond. You're still performing your duties, but you're no longer subscribing to the hustle culture mentality that work has to be your life. The reality is it's not, and your worth as a person is not defined by your labor. Love this. Um, I do love the idea of it, and I see what he's saying. I think that um, I agree that our worth should not be tied to what we do, right? That's really hard in today's society. Um, and the idea of hustle culture needs to be redefined. What? It's true. Cap no. Sorry, I just, I'm, I'm seeing you in this like full on power woman blazer. It's giving TED talk. <laughs> it's, it's giving, she's ready to moment. be in like an Oprah Super Soul Sunday. <laughs> like that's what it was giving. That's hilarious. And so I just couldn't look, I just looked over and Shira was in her bag. I was in it. <laughs> Listen to me. Listen to the words coming out of my mouth. So. I just, I think words are powerful. And my one worry, because listen, I, I go through this. There are many moments, whether it be in a, the company I own or the other work I do, where I'm not feeling like I'm fully there and I'm having, having trouble with motivation. I, I think it's important to try your best and your best might change depending on the day and really recognize when something is right for you and just not right for you. And that's okay. I, I think that it's not about necessarily... Um, the idea of quote unquote 
doing less, like putting yourself less out there. It's about saying that you're going to be compassionate and kind to yourself, that every day is a new day to approach your work, and you're going to do the best you can do, right? Love that perspective. I think I love that POV, but... I just don't want people to think, like, I'm going to just come in and be like, I'm done because I'm always overworked and I've been a perfectionist and all that. that. I think you have to... You have to scale back at times when you know that other side. That's is your really, boundaries. That's your boundaries. But that's why I think it's okay. This is just another video about boundaries. Yes. <laughs> Continue. Thank you so much. Uh, you can take the power suit off now. Um, I Hell's I think it's important to scale back when you know one way has not been benefiting you, and also when you look at how the states of what we see in in, in research wise and data has shown how corporate you know, America or whatever industry you could be working in, sometimes they do they do a bad job about caring about the people who are working for them. And so when you pour yourself so much above and beyond for a company or a thing that does not care or do the same thing to you, of course, you are going to sit back and do your duties because guess what? Not everyone has the privilege of being able to quit their job and finding another. That's a, that's a financial privilege. That's yeah, a stability privilege. Like, that's just not a thing. And so if you have to kind of now reassess, how, well, how can I come into this space without it impacting me and in in a negative way that is why i i completely see this and i understand this because companies want if we're being quite honest people will get rid of you in a second and find your replacement like it's no big deal and so this moving and compassion is all cute and stuff it's but you also gotta do it's what you about, gotta do no but i'm talking about yourself and i, I think this I, this quiet quitting is for the himself i, I this per- is what he's suggesting yes i personally because everyone wants to create a buzz term these days um, this is basically just like a new best term of something, but the word of like a quiet quit for me mentally tells yourself that you're kind of pieced out, is done. Is that the boss speaking in you? No, I think that... about someone who just like, even if I told myself that it'd be, I think subconsciously I wouldn't be putting my best foot forward in, in the work well, I that's do. that's you. I don't I think, think that's everyone. That's I think what... people can still show up and put their best foot forward, but it's still scaled back in the ways that so... they're not surrounded in perfectionism or are surrounded in a hustle culture that is like overwhelming that is, because they, uh, they're sending emails at 8 o'clock totally. at night and not resting. All we're talking about is instead of quiet quitting, setting your boundaries. It's a word that like, again, we throw out, but that's what it is. You can call it quiet quitting now. You're just accept, like being clear about your truth well, I guess you're and setting your boundaries. I, and maybe we should keep this conversation going because I feel like you're getting hung up on the, the terminology and the language yeah, I, yeah. And versus the action I, that it means. So we'll continue to have this discussion coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. I recently learned about this term called quiet quitting, where you're not outright quitting your job, but you're quitting the idea of going above and beyond. You're still performing your duties, but you're no longer subscribing to the hustle culture mentality that work has to be your life. The reality is it's not, and your worth as a person is not defined by your labor. Uh, that is a TikTok user talking about quiet quitting. That, that music was like... <laughs> It's so dramatic. Um, it's, you know, a trend coming you up. You hate and, this video. No, I actually, you I love the idea of, that, of, of it. We've talked, you know, we understand the impacts of hustle culture and our, you know, uh, previous systems and, and corporate on our mental health and our well-being. And, and we all know that this needs to change. Well, I um, would love to jump back into where we kind of left Yeah, off. so basically... Uh, we've been talking about this. Well, uh, I was trying to get us not to talk about it during the break so we can actually just have the conversation over the air. Yes. And uh, my feelings around quiet quitting, I really appreciate this. I, I appreciate it because I have only experienced 
being in work in workforces, I guess, in the workspace as an employee. And I've experienced it being told, especially as a marginalized person, as a queer person, that you have to be 112, 20% better and having to strive for kind of this excellence and all these things that go into that. Yes, we can unpack it. But I think entering into workspaces or corporate spaces, you have to perform a certain way. And that means going above and beyond. And I think that can be really tiring, especially if you have not received the recognition from the company that you're working for that that work that you're doing is worth you know worth to them like there's a there's you're not a getting the validation that it. you deserve and i mean that means like monetary monetary yeah, validation everything. that means uh you know actual you know words of affirmation and so like i understand having to really back in and say guess what i'm just going to do the bare minimum here um because i'm going to get the job done but I just can't give so much away anymore. And once again, that totally makes sense. You you know what I think. I just don't like the word when you. I think when you insinuate the word quit, whether it be out loud or to yourself, that can mess with your head. And I think it'd be it, it could already be a difficult situation um, to be in that situation because that's like really triggering. Right. And then to continue to think, well, I'm going to just hear and I'm like, quiet quitting. That's a very, I don't know, alienating feeling for me. But okay. producer Shelby. Yes. As someone who is coming from retail, um, I'm guilty of caring too much about jobs that don't care about me. And in the scope of things, retail, you are just a little fish in a sea of 100, 150 employees. So when I was there, I was working my best. I was working hard. It took over a year for me to get recognized as employee of the month. What came with that? A stuffed animal and my picture on the wall. Not a raise, not a bonus, not a a title change. Um, And I when I did get a raise, it was 30 cents. So I'm looking at yeah. people on the same level as me doing the same job, but with 50% of the energy as me. So I was like, it's not worth it for me to be exerting so much physically and mentally this, to not be compensated for happened. it. This reminds me of that Las Vegas story about the Burger King employee who yes. had been working for the company for 27 years oh and Didn't only literally was a, a never missed a day. Only the, the bosses gifted him a backpack stuffed with the movie <laughs> ticket, a Starbucks cup, candy, and some chocolate. Yeah, This is what we're talking about here. Well, I think he could have done... Are like, you blaming him? No, no, no. I'm just saying he didn't need a quiet quit to... Um, like, I think it's well, unfair. It's unfair. This is the thing. Uh, obviously, he got rewarded. So maybe he got what he wanted after all this time. But, like, I don't know what he Who got rewarded? Is. This guy got, quote, unquote, rewarded. This Burger King guy? With a That's not a reward. Yeah, no, he ended up getting $300,000 of donations yes. for people. Because his, See, his, karma. This, guy, karma. this guy. No. But that's ridiculous. I, I think know. this is a bigger the, the conversation company, about yes, I know. Our, what society deems Here's the thing, of, like, is, appropriate workforce behavior of course, and all these things. I, I think, as someone who has been on both sides, we need more transparency and communication about how everyone's feeling and what the needs are. Right. And what every each of us work differently. And that's the fact. Um, And I think you need to recognize one as a boss if someone's taking on too much and it's it's starting. It's obvious that they're one of those that wants to go above and beyond. Mm -hmm. You know, those types, you could see them when they come in. And as they're are you going to take and are you going to take advantage of that? that. Exactly. Well, well, knowing and then understanding like that they should and also on that side show up. They need to show up for themselves, and a boss needs to show up for those people as yeah. well. It's both sides. I think you you make very valid points, but I also think it's it's low key utopian. Yes. Like we don't live in a society that that looks at 
uh, court, like you know, leadership and ch- you know, challenging and, and helping your your employees in the ways that no, you of course, I'm saying that's what we need. Do. No, I'm a small business, so it's a bit easier to do that, right? I have like one-on-one conversations with all the people around me, and even with that, at a small level, it's still challenging because right. people keep their emotions to themselves. Like everyone communicates differently. You might hear something only when it's like the last straw and someone blows up, right? I've mm-hmm. I've I've seen and experienced the gamut. The hope is that in creating that baseline that it, you know if someone is not feeling seen and heard and like whatever they came in at doesn't work for them anymore that one you've created an opening where they can come to you or you're going out of your way to like make them feel comfortable yeah, to have hope that, that communication one day happens but i you know quiet quitting is i in, let, until then quiet quitting yeah mm-hmm. quiet quitting may be the thing for you to do or just to give you perspective of your own value and your own worth. Mm-hmm. How do you know when you're going uh, above and beyond? Mm, do you see no changes in pay or affirmation or... Yeah. And I, like, I saw firsthandedly a co-worker who was on the same level as me do something just totally wrong. He was like, I'll just visit this another time. He just put something in the wrong spot and just went on with his day. I'm like, how can you just do that and be like feel fine about it and then i'm like you know what it actually doesn't matter i think i i think it it does matter because you're a person this is what i say to myself and to everyone else um when i talk about that like you're a person who cares Mm -hmm. so don't stop being who you are be in your integrity but understand when certain circumstances including work require boundaries that's it because you still have your values and your own principles that you should not change even though people push you to change that for others but I think that also depends on how we define integrity and and sometimes... We all have our own value system. Yeah, and I don't think just because, like, if you make a decision where you're just like, yeah, actually, in the grand scheme of things, this doesn't really matter. And if I'm just doing what the job requires... I don't have to go above and beyond in the ways yeah, that I don't have that's to. Saying that, to yourself, that doesn't mean your integrity or your value system is a lower than anything. As long as you exactly, does. you feel like you're showing up the way you feel comfortable based on the circumstances, and you're not going out of your way. I think to do something wrong or that could hurt other people or the situation. Well, what do you think? At LGT show, we got we got into it here in the studio. That's what we do. And let's go there. Next up, more of what's trending, including why some are saying the CEO of the Trevor Project should resign. Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Thanks for hanging out with us today and hope you're enjoying that great music on Channel Q. More to come in 30 minutes. You know, since it's the summer, we want to talk about how to actually take a social media break. Is it possible? That's in 30 minutes. The summer is not the time to take a social media break. Oh, we'll talk about that. And a celeb comedy couple calls it quits. I'm actually really sad about this. That's in the T-Report in a moment. 
First, um, let's get into some what's trending this hour. I don't even know what that sound was. It was a sad sound because um, I literally forgot. Yes. I forgot there's a, there's a clip that she like, gets okay. emotional with. All right. so. so let's move on yeah. to what's happening at the Trevor Project. Some controversy. Amit Paley, CEO of the Trevor Project, was part of a team advising Purdue Pharma, the manufacturer of OxyContin, which is one of the most addictive opioid drugs on the market. Um, on, and he was actually advising on how to boost sales of opioids during his time at McKinsey & Co. Now, several employees of the Trevor Project told Teen Vogue they find it hypocritical that Paley worked to help boost opioid sales before taking a job to work with the LGBTQ plus population, especially, especially since a report released by the Trevor Project found misuse of prescription drugs to be associated with um, an increase in suicide attempts in the LGBTQ community. So yeah, that is uh, we both have history uh, with sticky, the Trevor tricky. Project. Yeah, but that's so awkward. We've, we've met Amit before. He's great. I mean, he was. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. I just wonder... He was at an agency, basically. He was at. Uh, it seems McKinsey's and Co. is like an ad agency. I don't know. I don't need to know. Um, and I guess that was one of their clients. I do have a problem though with that, just because the opioid crisis affected mostly Black and Brown folks. But oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's a consulting company, so really unfortunate stuff. But maybe that's the reason why he left. Yeah, that's the thing. You have to. Here's the thing. I think if, if someone, and it has to be authentic and sincere, has moved on and has had previously worked in certain places that don't obviously very clearly don't make sense now, and hopefully speaks out about that. But I want, then that makes sense. That's the thing. I think it all depends on what his response is yeah. and if he's listening to the employees and what he does next. Because if he's defensive, if if he's not if he's if it's in one ear and out the other, then that means yeah, maybe Or did he's he hide that it? Same thing. Yeah, that's why I'm like maybe he was trying to hide this and maybe he wasn't. He was trying to kind of get under the radar on this. So, it just depends. It depends on his response for me. I want to know. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the UK Health Security Agency, who's updated their, defini- their definition of monkeypox to say symptoms now include lesions on the genitals, anus, and or mouth. Oh, my God. I saw a video that is, like, going around Twitter. Yeah. And uh, somebody has it, and he's, like, documented on his – well, it was, like, an Instagram video that came over to Twitter, and, oh, my God, it was all around his mouth. It's, it's really like difficult. it's just really it's really sad because for I'm I'm actually worried speaking of mental health we just had a conversation about that and what the climate's doing but for me I'm worried about the mental health of people who have to quarantine for 4 weeks alone by themselves also in pain. Yeah. That so is bad. wild. So really it's like the mental health capacity of that conversation really needs to be talked about because I can't imagine. Can't imagine. Yeah. Uh so hopefully, you know, check out your your local doctor to see what the guidelines are um, in your area and if you're eligible for a vaccine as well. Just be safe out there. Well, vaccines are the, um, there's there's a huge amount that's being released um, next in the next phase mm-hmm. uh, from the administration and it, it just depends on what state and how much they get for that now that new batch to yeah. be relayed over. I was a part of a public health Los Good. Angeles Well, County. thank you for the information. Um, That's helpful. Yeah. Conversation about it. So, And finally, on What's Trending This Hour, Stephen Lopez, a co-defendant uh, of the Central Park Five, whose convictions in a notorious 1989 rape of a jogger were thrown out more than a decade later, had his conviction on a related charge overturned. Uh, the district attorney said uh, to a judge that a review of the case found that Lopez had pleaded guilty involuntarily in the face of false statements and under immense external pressure. 
He served more than three years behind bars before being released in the early 1990s. So here's a bit of that. Many uh, largely forgot that there were six who were falsely accused of rape of the Central Park jogger. Today, Mr. Lopez joined the other five who had their convictions vacated. Uh, well, that is good news, and it's unfortunately um, too late, right? You know, I wish we wish that this didn't even happen, but that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Uh, let's talk about the sad news of Chelsea Handler and her man, Joe Coy. I are- loved them. Yeah, it's so sad. I love them, too, and I, I mean, I'm a huge fan. If you know anything about me, I'm a huge fan of Chelsea Handler. I love her so much. And it was just really sad news uh, for the news to break that they are now taking a break. Um, They are uh, no longer together. And uh, uh, actually, Chelsea, she was on a podcast recently, and she shared the emotional toll the split is kind of taking on her as well as her optimism for the future. Here is um, what she has to say in this moment. How are you right now in this moment? I'm, I'm okay. I mean, I feel, you know... Uh, optimistic about the future now. I've changed so much mm-hmm. and I've loved my love was like so big that it just blew me open. Mm-hmm. And as painful as the ending of something like that is, I'm I'm so well versed in therapy and understanding that every door shutting is a new beginning and I do believe it. I don't think that's horseshit. Mm-hmm. I think that when you, you know, when you have the the grounding and the courage to say you know that something isn't working you're saying a lot more than that to the whole world you oh. know and you're in- oh you know what? <sighs> that resonates and you could hear her pain and it's it's really sad but it seems like she has evolved a lot and I, it's just sad because I really thought they had. They I thought hitting, they were going to be the one. And here's the thing: they were do it. just because it didn't work now does not mean it can't work later. Of course. And I'm very, I'm hopeful that you know they. Um, work it out. She did say even further in that conversation, she became so used to compromising and making Koi the biggest part of her life. Um, But she said, you can't change someone. And I'm so willing to do so much. I'm only so willing to do so much bending, but there's a line. I'm very proud of myself because I didn't let myself cross that line. She should have just quiet quitted the the relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Now, isn't that ghosting? That's a totally different thing. That's actually a problematic thing. No, that's That's what you want quiet quitting to be. No, quiet quitting is when you check out. That's basically, you're just checked yeah, out. Yeah, but like, no, I'm happy. She's like, I'm too damn grown. Uh, exactly. Now she just choose out. There you go. Good job, Chelsea, even though it hurts. Next up. That's your tea report. Thank you so much, Shira. <laughs> Could your boss be reading your emails without you knowing it? Okay, we're telling you more after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. With all of us using more and more tech at work than ever before, between collaboration spaces to Zoom, The question is, could your employers be reading your work messages and tracking what you're doing? Here to talk more about that is Tech at Work reporter Danielle Abril from The Washington Post. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Okay, well, let's get into this because I think this is everyone's biggest fear. Can employers see private messages at work or your emails? It's a a great question, and it's a question I think that people forgot to ask themselves when the pandemic started and now 
a lot of our water cooler conversations have moved to places like Slack or Teams or even email uh, because we're not seeing each other as often. But the problem with that is that if you're on a company device or a company-provided service like Slack, um, then yes, basically, you should assume that your boss can and will see your messages. On top of that, if you're using your own personal device and there's workplace software installed, um, they also may be able to see your messages. Well, I guess Ooh. what's the line of privacy when you're working for a company that could have access to something like this? Um, I- I'm sorry, what do you mean? Well, like, do you, you have any privacy? Do you have any privacy? All right, right. yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you can look at it a couple ways. So if you have a company laptop or device of any type or a company service, you should just assume that no, you have none. Um, Now, are all employers looking at your messages? Possibly not, but they can if they want to. Um, And again, if you have a personal device with workplace software on it, same thing. Just assume you don't have privacy. Your best line of privacy is if you do want to have those sensitive conversations or maybe it's not super workplace friendly or maybe you want to complain about your job or your hours or whatever it may be and you don't want your employer to see that, then you need to take that to a device and a service that isn't at all related to your employer. So, and, and preferably one that's end-to-end encrypted, ephemeral, meaning it disappears over time, um, and uh, yeah, completely separate from anything work-related. For those who might not know, no, sorry, um, end-to-end encrypted. Can you explain what that means? Because that gets thrown around a lot. And what services sure. are those? Yeah, so uh, end-to-end encryption basically means that when you send a message, um, it gets encrypted right before it leaves your device. So it, it, it's really secure as, as it travels through cyberspace to get to its uh, receiver, it stays encrypted until it lands in the receiving device and that person reads it. Um, there's a lot of encrypted services, but that is not end-to-end encryption, which means at some point there's a server where it might get decrypted and then re-encrypted, and so it's just not as secure. So end-to-end encryption is really it's encrypted the entire way until it's received by um, the person who it's meant to go to. Um, mm-hmm. And really, uh, a lot of experts suggest the gold standard as uh, service as Signal, um, because Signal is not only end-to-end encrypted, but it has ephemeral messaging. Um, another option is WhatsApp, uh, mm-hmm. but some experts argue, don't forget, WhatsApp is owned by Facebook, and you know Facebook has been notorious for its data-sharing policies, so just something to keep in mind. Yeah, it also feels like a key piece of advice here would be just use common sense. Like, you know, you don't want to have any conversations that you wouldn't have in front of your boss, right? Absolutely. Actually, one expert uh, kind of compared it to having a conversation right outside your boss's door. Mm. Um, And if it's a conversation you wouldn't feel comfortable having outside of your boss's door, you probably shouldn't be having it in any workplace digital space. So just kind of re- reconfigure the way that you're thinking. We've all gotten used to being a little casual on these services, um, but it is in front of your employer. Definitely. So uh, I guess what if you, you're, obviously your employer wants you to use all this stuff and you feel uncomfortable. Is there any other option? Um, well, usually employers are asking you to use that for workplace collaboration. Yeah. So ideally you would still be using it, but maybe only for work conversations. Um, 
the uh, advice that experts give is to get together with your coworkers. If you do want to have more like water cooler conversations, get together in person if you can and have those conversations. And if you can't, then, you know, call each other and say, hey, let's all download the same app. Let's all get on this and have our water cooler, our lunchtime, our drink conversations on that app, on our own personal cell phones that have no workplace software, and do it there. But uh, I do want to add one caveat that people need to remember um, is that any digital evidence, even if it's not on a workplace device or um, related to workplace software, you know, it leaves a digital trail. Mm -hmm. So even if I'm doing it with the most secure signal, ephemeral, messages that disappear and I'm sending it to my coworker, there's a chance my coworker might take a second device, screenshot their original device and take it to the boss and say, Danielle said these things. Mm-hmm. So when you have messages out there and you're leaving a digital footprint, you need to be aware that there's always a risk. Exactly. Okay. Well, that was Tech at Work reporter Danielle Averill from Washington Post. I think I heard a dog. Sorry, I'm going to keep her quiet. No, and we love it. All right, have a great rest of your day. Thank you, you too. Well, next up, sometimes we say we're taking a break from social media, but uh, we'll still sneak a peek at Twitter, Instagram. I'm not sure. I feel like Ryan takes breaks. I mean, he doesn't respond to anything usually. If to you, for you actually, specifically. You. Next, we're talking about how to take an actual break from social media. It's something we all need after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. You know, it's summer here and we're all taking breaks. How about taking a break from social media? It seems to be the one thing, you know, it is addictive. It's difficult for a lot of people. Or at least taking a break from your phone even. I feel like it's all somewhat associated. So first, before we go to the tips on how to do this, I want to know from each person in the studio, have you taken a break before from social media? Uh, what did that look like, and would it be possible for you to do this? I oh. haven't taken a break break from all social media. There's certain apps that, like, for a little bit I, I deleted. Like, I was off Twitter for a while, but no. it was when I was younger. Um, but, no, I haven't gone completely away from social media. It's hard for someone in my generation. Ah, is that the your generation you're yes. landing with? Yeah. So p- embedded in who you are. It's like another limb. Mm-hmm. She says that like we're owed. Uh-huh. I mean, you're going to start getting those conversations. The things you say to me, it's just going to hey, come right back. I'm not owed. I had social media before I was a teenager. So. How old were you? I did, too. How old, <laughs> how old were you when social media came I up? I did, too. Like, I had, I mean, there was different versions of it, like Xanga. There was MySpace. There oh, was, yeah. Like, yeah. I was on ICQ. What? AOL Instant Messenger. Oh. All those. ICQ you know, AOL, was a chat. I ICQ was a chat room. Yeah. It was cute. I should say modern social media. Yeah, exactly. Like what? Facebook. Yeah, oh. I had Facebook, but I was like, a, I was literally, when when was I allowed to get on Facebook? Maybe like my freshman year of high school? I was 10. Oh. Ooh, damn. She wins. That's what I'm saying. Like it, it was, wasn't a competition. It was so, it was more integrated into my life as a younger age. So I think that has something to do with like how long, like the percentage of my life I've been on social media is more than I haven't I, been. I have a question before we get back into this. Do you wish that your parents had like waited more longer to allow you to use it? Not really. I don't think it would have made a difference. Yeah. Well, Ryan, have you taken a break from social media? Um, uh, I don't really post on social media like that anyway. Like, I'll, I'll do, like, little things here and there, but... At least you're on it, but you're on it per, uh, browsing all the time. Yeah, but I don't... I mean, posting and browsing is two different things. You're still on it. 
Yeah, but I think depending on what you need that break for or from, like, I've most definitely taken social media breaks from, like, Twitter or from Instagram, but, like, specifically Twitter, just because the conversation on there can be toxic. I blocked every account that I don't want to be associated with or, like, see because the comments are all so toxic. And so I've always had a really interesting boundary with social media for me. Like, if I don't feel like posting, I'm not going to post. If I don't feel like... Um, um, if I don't feel like being in the middle of everything, I won't speak on it. And so I've always kind of understood that, but also it's it, it's a hard line to draw when your your job also kind of totally. deals with being in that space. Um, and so, yeah, taking a break on social media is like, I've done it before, but like I, I've only done it for things that I feel like I've had to do it. And it, it may not be your traditional like cold turkey off. Totally. I think my longest break was when I went to Nepal when I trekked to Everest Base Camp and I was gone for t- uh, two weeks in the Himalayas. Mm-hmm. And we can, I, you could actually get signal, like internet signal at the places you would stay. They would sometimes have Wi-Fi, but it would be so bad. You could basically (laughs) maybe get a text, but you couldn't really get proper emails or even load social media because it was too much bandwidth. I think that was the longest I was really more more disconnected. And then there was like 24 hours when I went to Alaska where we had no connection. So like, yeah, literally. And it was really good. It was really healthy. And I felt I was just more present because I knew it wasn't even an option. Like, it was, yeah, it just wasn't even there. Whereas when you know it's an option, like, I'm just going to, like, look at it in a few hours. No, not an option. I think it's healthy. Anyway, if you're having this need, this desire to quit social media, here are some tips. First, figure out what's bothering you. Because, you know, you might be just like, this is annoying. Like, figure out what it is. Pick and choose, and this is from an article in Vice. We're giving them credit. Pick and choose specific social media features and activities. Set a minimum. Don't post. Do reach out. Delete app. <laughs> this is funny. Delete apps and ask a friend to keep your passwords. I mean, yeah, that's a that's a quality piece of advice. I think there's actually an app, or there's there needs to be some sort of platform that does that for you. Well, now you. your phone can literally like shut. Like you can program when you are allowed to open up an app or not. Yeah. So give you a break. Like iPhones do that already. There's a company called Go Brick Now. And they're all about that, like, creating boundaries. It's a digital wellness movement. And, oh, this is actually interesting. I was at this wellness thing this past weekend, and this woman mentioned something really interesting, how you go to your screen time, right? Mm -hmm. Not just screen time. You could see the use of the apps. And I think seven hours a day is average, oddly enough. But there's ways to make sure that to decrease that. Because imagine seven hours a day on apps – Imagine you're getting those hours back. What are you going to do with that time? We don't even know what's possible because we're just so it's so ingrained in us. Right. So she figured out ways to get that down. Um, so it meant like, okay, I'm only checking my email like 9 a.m. Tw- um, like every two, three hours versus like always checking it and refreshing it. Or I'm only going to check social media my feed once. There's also, you know, this app Be Real. We were playing with it. Where now they're, they're kind of this app that is going against the traditional social media platform because you can only post once a day during a certain amount of time. So you don't need to be constantly feeding the beast or even like you don't easily as easily get addicted to browsing I it. think sometimes social media gets a bad rap. I mean, when you think about 2020 quarantine, social media was literally all we had to stay con- connected to people. 
And so I think there's something to be said about like anything really that has like the good and the bad. Um, but I, I do think social media is an important piece of our world and it's the reason why certain things change and a reason why certain people are held accountable and the reason why like the list goes on and on and on, right? And I think it's a valued piece of um technology and, and with anything, you gotta do it in moderation. But yes. taking a social media break during the summer is a stupid idea. Because what? that's literally the most fun you're probably having. What do you mean? There's so much. You could go outside. You don't need to be on your phone. If anything, you winter. You're stuck inside. It's cold. You're not stuck inside during the winter. Most people are. You're in California, babe. Yeah. And also, by the way, first of all, I lived. I lived somewhere that experienced. Right. So, but you're uh, like, don't act like I've been in California all of my life. I've lived somewhere where I've experienced Nashville. It has winters. It gets okay. to 30, 20 degrees. But meaning, like, I think that summer is a time to get out and actually put down your phone. Like, I, th- I, No, but I think you can document that. Like, I think that's also oh, fun yeah. to do, like, to have social media for that moment, to you find out s- where the parties are, to find out where the people are, like, okay. see where people are going, get ideas to go to the next things. Like, that, taking a social media break during the summer is the worst thing possible. <laughs> I like what you're using it for, though. That's cute. Now, what else are you supposed to be using it for? Well, people do get, I had a friend that told me she had to take a break. She had to delete Instagram because she was getting insomnia and on it till all hours of the night responding to Instagram. No, people, this is, you forget, this is a lot of people's habits on social media. They don't talk about it. I know, I don't, I I know that's realistic, but I also don't think that's social media's fault. That's their fault because they don't know how to handle things in moderation. Uh, It's both. Look at the social, uh, social... that's a sheer question. Where does that come up in anywhere else? It's both. It takes two to tango. They feed into your insecurities and then they know what like behaviorally you'll do. You can only, only something can feed into your insecurities if you let it. If you are like looking at it, like I don't. Yeah, I get it, but like also, I also feel like if you let it, like wait, if you're looking at like on Instagram and you're comparing yourself and all these things, like you're letting that inside of you to allow that to do that. Like for me, like that that's just not something. Just watch the social dilemma, take accountability, but also you get to hold these platforms accountable. That is awesome. That's an awful movie. Next up. it's actually really interesting. Next up. A group of cishet white men ruining the world? No, awful. Yeah, they're being called out. Um, Not as a social. Del- <laughs> Next up, she hasn't seen speaking that movie of in a cishet white guy, Joe Rogan, is he a liberal? Is he moving? Is he becoming a Democrat? What he's saying against the GOP next? Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Uh oh, Joe Rogan is back. This time he's trying to be less problematic. Ah. <laughs> he is now, you know, with everything he said, you would think, I don't assume, you know, this guy is uh, not into the Democrats, not into being a liberal, progressive person well, in America. I wouldn't, I wouldn't add, put the term liberal or Democrat in the same sentence exactly. as a Joe Rogan. Well, now he's actually denying that he's a conservative and he's actually slamming the GOP. What? Adding that. He was on welfare as a kid. He would not be the Joe Rogan he is today if he did not get support. How does that make any sense? And also, being a Republican is not just about this, like being a, like financially like that's not fiscally the, conservative. Yeah, fiscally conservative. No. Like that's not the only thing that makes you a like a so, conservative. <laughs> All of his podcasts, every 
dummy that he's had on, every dumb thing that he's he said. fed into the narratives. It's literally fed into, yeah. like, talking points. Yeah. And it's just like, how are you connecting the two? Like, how are you now saying all of a sudden that that makes me actually believe that that podcast must be taking a little bit of a hit. <laughs> because why all yeah. of a sudden is he now trying to, like, rebrand himself as this liberal who grew up poor like what? Where did this come from? Where does that come from, Joe Rogan? I mean, you've introduced us to many parts of you. The only way he could probably win my heart back oh. is if he starts hosting Fear Factor again. He was so <laughs> cute on that show. Bring Before he he shaved his head and became an a hole. Start a change.org petition. <laughs> not over. Uh. Uh-uh, not over. So that here's man. what went down. He was discussing. Uh, politics, including recent comments by Senator Ted Cruz that the Supreme Court decision to legalize same-sex marriage was clearly wrong. And, uh, by the way, uh, Schultz, Andrew Schultz is this comedian actor that was joining him. He called Cruz and the GOP for opposing gay marriage homophobic. And uh, he also seemed to be confused as to why his liberal critics accused him of supporting the Republican Party. Are we in some sort of weird world? Is this reality? What is going on? It is very strange. It really is strange because that makes me also think that he truly believes that he is a good guy. Totally. Like when you convince yourself that you're a good guy, that means you can't do anything wrong because you think you're literally great. Or you're good and you're not Here's impacting the, the culture in the ways that you are. Like yeah. people literally just caught him saying the N-word like so many times in Spotify had to, you know, take it off, like take each episode off or like re-edit the episode and put it back up. Like it was so many things going on and he, he always doesn't want to, he never wants to apologize. Like there's he's just, also the guy. He doesn't have a value wait, system. He's also the guy that says because he has like a black friend that he's not racist. Do you remember that? Shut <laughs> <laughs> up. I just like to. Yes, I know. Yeah. Awkward pause. Funny. So here's the thing. You said it. I'm just calling that it was out. Your, that was your talking point. I'm calling point. it out. Well, no, I just came up to top of mind because that is a talking point. Listen, two, as we say, <laughs> two truths can exist. Of what? What are the two truths that are existing oh, in this moment? Yeah, we heard I'm you. I'm getting uh, <laughs> COVID <laughs> from this conversation. Uh, the fact is that Joe Rogan can, you know, ha- be, you know, uh, not homophobic. Or he is. No. He's also transphobic. He's not seeing the nuances, obviously, of these situations. So what are the Someone two needs truths that can to exist? educate him. He could be maybe, uh, what, a, a good husband, a good friend, while still being an a hole. What are the two truths that exist? That could be the two truths. <laughs> no. no. He could be a good friend, a good husband, maybe a good, I don't think he a is. good dad. He has a black daughter who he but he still uses the n-word like it's like saying yahtzee oh i thought it was a friend it's a daughter he does have a daughter i didn't know that his daughter was black yeah all right quite shocking there's a lot coming out here quite shocking all right well maybe uh maybe joe rogan can save the democrats maybe you'll continue to find the 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 two truths that could simply exist with this joe rogan i just take your line all the time no ew gross Right thought, wrong person. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, we're wrapping up the show, as we always do, with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. Well, this is uh, inspiring. It's sad, but it's good that California is doing this. They are becoming the first state in the nation to set up a trust fund for children who have lost a parent to COVID. Kids can access now uh, 
a part of the 100 million they're going to be spending um, and they could do this when they turn 18. So yeah, they're committing basically $100 million of their state budget. And when they turn 18, they're going to be able to access the cash and spend it how they wish, which I feel like, well, what about now? <laughs> right? A lot of these kids are still in a really bad place. True. It's unclear how much each child will receive, how many will be granted. One estimate suggests 16,000 children will receive 4,000 to 8,000 each. Wow. I mean, this is... I, I agree, like, they probably they need things now, but I do love this idea, and I, I love that California is always kind of, like, leading in things that needs yeah. to happen, you know? And um, I've never heard of anything like this. Like, no, I haven't heard of any other state doing this, and so clearly this just feels like it's, it's super important um, because of the families, especially the black and brown people that were significantly impacted by this. Definitely. So I hope this like financial help could really change their lives. Yeah, and, and, and inspire other states to do the same. So California Governor Gavin Newsom, for some, I don't know. I mean, you're calling. Who said it was President Newsom? Not yet. I guess when Shar's here, she says President Newsom. Yeah. Uh, that does it for our yes. He's probably going Yes, Queen. And that also does it for our show today. But we are back tomorrow, same time, uh, two to six p.m. Pacific, five to nine p.m. Eastern, live on Channel Q. What is coming up tomorrow, Producer Shelby? We are talking about how heat will... This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.